Good morning. Welcome to Communitas Church. My name is Mike Gary. I'm the head pastor here, and we are a church that hopes to love God and to love people here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. Uh, We have worshipped through gathering. Just the very nature of you and I coming together is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak uh, through and with us, through and, and to one another. We've worshipped through through singing, through song, and we've worshipped through the giving of our of the gifts, the things that God has stewarded to us, and just an exemplification of our trust in Him. This is the time of our service where we worship through communion, uh, through the gathering at the table, the way that Christ has invited us, the way that He did with His disciples long ago. And so, what we do during this time is we we take a few moments and we recognize that. Uh, that the way that we experience and worship and commune with God is different for different people. For some of us, words and, and singing proclamation is really helpful. And for some of us, we need that space for silent reflection. Uh, we've got words and we're inundated with, with noise and sounds and, and thoughts throughout the week. And we also need to, to have this moment where we just have the space to rest, to ponder, to contemplate, and to linger. And so regardless of where you're at, we know we have some people here who they are bought in. We want, they want to grow in their discipleship. They want to become more and more like Christ each and every day. And some of us are, are coming in here and like we're just kind of going, I just want to make it to bed tonight. And uh, so regardless of where you're at, uh, regardless of whether you are a committed follower to Christ or you have never experienced Christ or known anything of Christ in your life. We are welcoming you here and we're glad that you're here and we invite you in this next few moments to just take some time in silence to reflect on who God is, what he's done, and what he might be calling you to do and to be. And so in this time, we don't have a set designated certain number of minutes. We're just going to take time and reflect on those things. Who is God? What has he done? What is he doing in my life? What's the call I'm answering? What have I been called to do? What does it look like to walk in holiness with him? And as you're ready, we're going to come forward. We're going to grab the elements, the bread and the juice. Uh, We've got some set out to your right and to your left. When you're going to grab those elements, we're going to bring them back to the seat, your seat. And we're going to partake of this together. I'll read some words from scripture to kind of give some more background of what this is. These elements, there's nothing magical about them. What's sacred is the practice. And so we open the table up to anybody who is a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a member of our church or not, but if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come to this meal. Um, So for the next little bit, we're just going to sit in silence together, listening to what the Spirit may be telling us, and then uh, invite you as you're ready to come forward, grab the elements, bring them back to your seat. And then once we've all um, prepared our hearts, we'll dine together.
The last time that Jesus was with his friends, he brought them around this, this, uh, this table. And they shared in this meal, this ritualistic time that happened once a year in the Jewish calendar. And, uh, and instead of giving him this, this benediction, this last, hey, these are the, this is the checklist that I need you to, you know, to get, he, gives, he t- takes this meal, he has dinner with them. And he takes the meaning of that dinner and he flips it on his head. And it's for that reason that we celebrate it today. So during that meal, he took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. People had been living in in this covenant and they'd been kind of bogged down by it and tripped a few of them up. And so later in the meal, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant. In my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for the new life that you've called us into we thank you for your word and its preservation and that we're able to read it, to preach it, to ponder it, and to live it. We pray that by your spirit you would illuminate it to us and that in and through us others would see your work. Amen. Okay, if you are little, this is the time of our service where you get to head out this door over to the side. If you've got some younger folks that aren't quite ready for Sunday school, we do have a family lounge, which is essentially straight through this wall right here. If you head out that door and uh, make a couple lefts, you will find it. And we live stream everything that's going on in here to a monitor back there, should you need it. Lord, we thank you for these kids. We thank you for their, their lives that you've entrusted us. We pray that we would be good stewards of what you've given us, that we would exemplify what it means to walk in your ways. We thank you for Jeff and for Bailey and for Rachel and their commitment to help back there today. We know that this is not a second-class occupation that they're engaged in. Amen. Okay, so if you've, uh, if you've been with us um, this last week, we, we talked about exhale, kind of coming into this this new year and you know how living in in the upper midwest there is sort of a a natural rhythm of come new year it always seems like you know the holiday parties are are winding down and and the cold snap comes in and it's this moment where you just kind of go it's time for sitting in the ice house sitting in front of the fire you know, maybe some people are crazy enough to get out and go do some fat biking or some skiing, but the rides are not very long and they're usually accompanied by hot drinks afterward and warm soup. Um, the boat's been put away, the motorcycle's winterized, the RV's covered up. And, uh, and so there's this moment where we get, to, we get to reflect and kind of do this, this bitter reset. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about worship and what that looks like 
in our work? What does that look like in rest? How does it look like in prayer? What does it look like in community? A lot of times we think about when we think about worship. How many of us think, oh, yeah, that's that's the time before the preaching. Uh, you know, that's that's the singing, that's the song part of a service. But hopefully throughout the next few weeks, we can start to kind of blow the lid off that a little bit and start to come up with and kind of expand our definition of what worship is. Looking through the scriptures at what, what God says about what worship actually is and how we live that out in our daily lives. And so just uh, for, for sake of defining our terms, I thought we'd just kind of look at what is worship? If you type it into all-knowing Google, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Wikipedia would say worship is an act of religious devotion usually directed toward a deity. An act of worship may be performed individually in an informal or formal group or by a designated leader. If you also in Google, you will also find uh, um, something from John Piper. He says, true worship is based on a right understanding of God's nature and it is a right valuing of God's worth. I think we're getting a little closer there. Pius X would say that worship is the glorification of God and the sanctification of humanity. Kind of like that. That'll work. So as we continue to hone in and define what worship is and what that looks like in our lives, I think we can kind of keep that in the back of our mind. And today we're going to do kind of a a 30,000-foot Mach 2 flyby on what on how work and worship intersect with one another. And just to be fair, this is going to be kind of a, an appetizer at best for two reasons. One, it's, it's a big topic. It's hefty. There's a lot that could be said. And for two, uh, it's something that I've studied and pondered on an academic level um, and then just kind of in my own life for the last 10 years, and I really don't want to subject you to the inner musings and ponderings of 50 pages of, uh, of written work and whatnot because uh, we've got potluck, and I don't know if the Vikings play today or not, but uh, we want to get out of here in a timely manner. So if you, if you, you may have picked up Throughout your time here, if you've, if you've been around, you may have heard me talk about some of the different jobs that I've had. I think uh, I'm looking at job title number 40 right now. So resumes, I've, I've got that. That's a, that is part of the Mike Gary skill set. Job interviews, yep, I've, I've done a few of those. I can tell you kind of how that works. And I started, my very first job was as a paper boy when I was 13 years old. And uh, it's kind of fun. You know, I got to learn about time management, scheduling, um, ordering supplies, making sure I had what I needed for my, my job. And basically, it was, it was pretty simple. Paper shit was a weekly route. They showed up on Tuesday, and I had until Wednesday to deliver them. Uh, There's 132 papers. They gave me a, a map. Um, and so it was kind of fun because it started off where, you know, it took me like two hours to wrap them, two hours to deliver them. I was going, man, four hours? Like, I'm, you know, and it was just a, a set amount. I wasn't paid by the hour. It was... You know, you got, it was like the newsies, right? I mean, like got seven cents a pape and away you go. And so the faster I could get it done, the better I would get paid per hour. And so as I became more efficient and, and, uh, and, you know, picked up a few more routes and kind of learned how to do this a little better, I was making more money in less time. And I thought, Hey, this is, 
this is pretty cool. I was learning about economics and capitalism and, and budgeting and all this. It was, it was really kind of a cool, cool way to do it, kind of hands-on, you know, instead of sitting there reading about it in a book, I actually got to experience it a little bit. And then during that time, I would say that was really when, uh, when I was about 16, when Christ really got a hold of my life and then started to bring up these questions of, well, what is, what is this, what does Jesus have to say about my work? How does my faith and my work intersect? Because I'd, I'd heard some people that thought that, you know, work was kind of, you know, that was, that was post-fall. That was, that was the result of sin. And so there was this drudgery that came along with work. And so it was like work was against faith or was my faith against my work? I wasn't really sure, but there was something about work that I, that was, you know, that I, I really enjoyed. There was something about having a job that kind of spoke to me or really kind of made me feel important, if you will. And I think that's a pretty common thing throughout most, you know, most of our lives, right? I mean, it's, if you've got, you know, you got something that's really fun that's happening and, you know, but you've got to work, like, what do we say? Oh, you know, I've got to work. And, and sometimes like, oh, I know that when I was younger, there was something about that that I really enjoyed. You know, someone would say, oh, we're, we're doing this one thing. Oh, I've got a job. I've got to work. And, and I don't know if that was just, you know, part of this uh, rugged, individualistic, male machismo American culture thing that I was growing up in, but it seemed like it was a pretty common thing throughout my friends, regardless of of gender or socioeconomic class. And as I as I looked throughout history, I mean, there's something about work that's important. So whether we have a job, don't have a job, are looking to get a job, are done having jobs. This notion of vocation, occupation, employment, calling, and doing seem to be pretty important. And throughout the story of God, we see that that work is pretty common. So to continue with our, just to kind of give you a little, little idea, a little background, Throughout the scriptures, as a quick survey, work brings up connotations, according to Verlin Verbuggy, to labor, to be active, to bring about action, deed, achievement, thing, matter. Someone who does something, a worker, to produce, accomplish, to affect something, well-doing, and brings about connotations that would lead us to show kindness, work together, cooperate, aid. And theologically, it can kind of break down into three different camps of deeds which separate us from God. Work is also mentioned in conjunction with the curse, but work is also what people do in both cultic and daily action. Cultic being just kind of your daily, like the, the worship traditions that we would see, so kind of not, not cultic of, you know, the weird way we sometimes think about cult, but cultic in the, the religious sense. So what, what people do religious and daily action, which would seem to kind of bring about this connotation that maybe the veil between the sacred and the secular isn't as thick as we would believe. Maybe it isn't there at all. So turn with me to Genesis 1. If you uh, 
don't have a, a paper Bible, if you want to follow along on your mobile device, feel free to do that. I'll give you some time to uh, swipe and do whatever you need to get there. If uh, none of those sound appealing to you, the words will be projected on the words behind me. Um, and we just want to take a, I want to take a quick moment. We're not going to read all of Genesis 1, but I want to highlight a few things. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Skip on to verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and he called the expanse heaven. There was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit, which is of their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day. Verse 14, and let them be signs for the seasons and for the days and the years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. In verse 20, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And he blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. Verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. 
and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So what's God up to? He's working, right? Give me uh, thespians in the room. Anybody who's ever worked on, on lighting? Anybody's ever done any kind of automotive, electrical sort of work? It's kind of tough to see when you don't have lights, right? So that gets reflected in our work. Where there's nothing, we create something. It's kind of industrious. And at the end of it, he gives, gets some people and he says, hey, we're, you're going you're gonna to subdue it. You're going to multiply. I'm gonna, you're in charge of this. I'm going to steward you. And so we see, like this is management 101, right? Like do what only you can do, delegate the rest. God's like, I did this. I'm going to pass this off. I'm going to sustain it. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here for support, but you're in charge. So we see production, we see service, we see management. And he creates this, you know, he's, he's taking, taking water and he's putting it in one spot. He's taking land, putting it elsewhere. Anybody ever farmed before? Anyone ever dug a ditch? You got to move water from one spot to another. Making a golf course. Scott could probably tell you a few things about that. Worked one time in a place where they'd, they'd moved a river. And so, I don't know if you've ever done any kind of hydronomy before, or if you've been in, hung around any engineers that have to make roads go in places where, where roads maybe ought not go, but they figure out a way to do it anyway. Okay, this is, all, this is all part of a reflection of who God is and what He's doing. And we get called to manage that, and to steward that. And there's something that, but then, so, and work has always been something that we were supposed to do, right? So God plants us in the garden. He says, hey, look, there's all these different things that you're, you're in charge of. Do it. Because we've been created in the image of God, but we've also, we've, we've also been called to be imitators of God. Like the, the technical theological jargon would say, emago Dei, people have heard that word before. But one of the things that we don't, hear maybe enough of is the imitatio dei, okay, the, the way that we imitate God. And so oftentimes in this kind of post-fall after, the sin, after sin enters the world and God says, okay, here's the deal, work, it's going to be tough now. Like, I don't know if you've ever, you know, if you've, if you've mentioned the, the mechanic that's trying to get the lights to turn on, I don't know if you've ever dealt with an electrical problem with a car, they are not fun wasn't supposed to be that way. I don't know if you've ever worked the ground before, but every once in a while you get, stuck, you get rocky soil and it breaks machinery. That's not awesome. I would rather spend my day watching crops grow than fixing 
farm implements. It's just not a great time. I don't know if you've ever dealt with people, whether as a, as a teacher or as, as a counselor, occupational therapist, as a pastor, uh, as a mentor. Man, like, people are broken. Like, we're tough to get along with once in a while, right? It wasn't meant to be that way. And so, and so, and as a result, I think that our, our, nat- our notion of what work is to be has also been hijacked. And we use work or our occupation as our identity. And we start to get into this notion and we start to think that maybe our work justifies our existence. And we start to think that, that that's what is going to bring our life meaning. But it's not. God didn't say, I, I planted you in the garden to be a gardener and that is what you're defin- that's, that's what gives you life. That's your- no, it's, that's a byproduct. God says, I've created you to be in relationship with me, to be imitators of, of who I am and how I function. And I've called you to, to, to walk in the way that I have. And the work has been done. For those of us who call ourselves Christians and who walk in the way of Christ, work is not our identity. Our occupation does not bring about our identity. Christ does. The work has been finished on the cross. We don't need to use our job to justify who we are. That's already been done. We've been justified through Christ's blood. And we've been called to walk in, in, the, in, walk in His way by the power of the Holy Spirit and bring about the kingdom through our work. So often work is where is where our faith and, our, and, and the culture can interact with one another and they can intersect. And we have a calling to work holy and to work hard. just want to take a, a quick sidestep here. Sometimes in, in Christian circles, and I think it's starting to, to die out a little bit, but I know that even while I was in, while I was in college, there was kind of this this pecking order of, of importance in career choices. You know, it's like, if you're going to be a missionary, that was, that was like the ultimate, right? Like you were, that was the best job that you could do if you were a Christian. You know, second was a, a pastor, you know, or, but they may, or maybe they were, they were, they were close second, whatever else, or they, maybe they were tied. I don't know. Does anybody else remember any of this sort of, this inkling? And so there's this, there was this, idea that maybe being a pastor was more important. And uh, I just want to go on record right now and say that that's a load of crap. <laughs> Straight up. Because uh, it's, is it a calling? Yes, it is a different calling, but it is not a higher calling. Uh, I used to work in wastewater, and I don't know if you've ever been up to wastewater, like to your waste. Okay, and, and I was working right next to another guy who was also up to wastewater, up to his waist in wastewater. That did not make me more important. I was not a better human being because I you know, would someday be a pastor. Christ's work on the cross determines our identity, not our occupation. And I know for some of us, it's, it's kind of a tricky thing because we, we start to wonder, now what about, you know, but... You know, so 
So what is this? Right? So, okay, so whether you're a pastor or a counselor, a stay-at-home mom, a plumber, a teacher, government worker, delivery driver, uh, you work for someone, uh, you work for yourself, you've uh, failed a company, we still have a calling. And Scripture has specific things to say about that. And like I said at the beginning, we're not going to dive too far into what, you know, what a pharmacist, what, what Scripture says about pharmacy or what Scripture says about engineering uh, what scripture says about delivery driving, graphic design, turf management, speech therapy, being a stay-at-home mom, being retired, uh, or being a, a kid who's growing up and about to get a job. There's lots of things. And the, po- the important thing here is that I want us to start to understand that there is a calling to that. And it's important for us to discern what that looks like and walk that out in community. We notice that when Jesus sends people out to work, how does he do it? Always at least twos. At least twos. We'll read in the, in the New Testament here, and uh, in coming weeks we're going to read about, about Paul, and, uh, and, and we can watch. Like he's, when he goes out, it starts off, it's just like he and this other guy, and the next time they go out, there's a few more, and the next time there's a few more. So I want us to start to think about, as we worship, as we do our life, both our, in our, our Sunday gathering, but then how we spend the other six days of our week dedicated to how God has wired us and, and, and the ways in which we can bless the world. Who's doing that with us? Who are we inviting into that world? Both to go along with us, but then also to, to guard us and to watch out for us. And it's not just about, oh, well, you know, just getting together for... Like there's there's some accountability that goes along with that. I know that when I was when I was landscaping, I'd get together with people just to hey, what you know, what's going on in your life? How are we doing this? What's going on? And and just to make sure that that we were on point. It wasn't a group of of landscapers. It was another guy that worked <coughs> HR, and it was another guy that worked engineering. It was just the importance was to get together. What's going on in your world? And to grow in our understanding of of how the kingdom of God is coming to fruition through various people's occupations and what they were doing throughout the day. Because it isn't always what we do here on Sundays that's our most sacred. This is just a part of what we do. Because remember that we, you know, we've, we've talked about that notion that we gather to scatter. We come here and we go out. So what does this look like? I think uh, there's a really great story. Uh, has anyone ever read anything by Brendan Manning? Ragamuffin Gospel? He's got this great story in there. And so at the time, Brendan Manning was, a, I think he was a Franciscan monk. And he's hanging down in Louisiana. And, uh, and he notices that, that the shrimp boat guys aren't coming to church. And so they're, they're going out and they're trying to invite all these people. They're trying to invite these shrimp boat guys to come to church. And they're like, you know, they see these guys walking around in the, the monk habit and whatever else. And they're like, yeah, that uh, wool, Louisiana, it's kind of humid down here. I don't know if I want to be in on that. I'm going to go ahead and pass. And so one day, Brennan's like, hey, I got an idea. If they're not going to come to church. What if, what if the church went to And so they, uh, they bought a shrimp boat. A bunch of monks buy a shrimp boat, and they go out and they're hanging out with with the guys at the down at the docks, and they were so bad at it, 
he writes this, he said, they're, so, they're just horrible. They had no idea what they were doing, but they're just like, no, we're just going to give it a go. And finally, the shrimp boat guys came over and they're like, oh, we got to help you out on this because this is like you're kind of a mockery to our trade. And, uh, and so they show them. And so I, why do I tell that story? I tell that story because it speaks to this notion of, of how God can, God calls us to worship, to imitate him, and in our work, in our daily lives, in the rhythms of, that we participate in, we're to bring the kingdom. We're to act the way that he would act. So on an individual level, what does this look like for us? We're to engage in practices which make the world better. And we're to strive to put an end to those which destroy life. And to act in honest, integ- integrous ways with concern for others. Uh, if you want to listen more about this, Bob and I preached on this last spring. You can check out Micah. This whole thing about worship. Love God. Love people. Glory to God. Sanctification to humanity. And we as, an, as a local church, as an extension of the global church, have the opportunity to call, to, sancti- to sanctify, to set free from sin the notion of work calling and vocation. And so gone should be the days where a person's identity is wrapped up in their occupation and gone should be the days where we're working ourselves to the bone for getting ahead in a broken economy. And so present should be the days where we work out of a holy calling. Where we bring glory to God and sanctification through humanity through our daily lives. What would it look like if we as a church started businesses, encouraged flourishing, whether that's through social engagement or just through the discouragement of various things which seek to destroy life. How are you exploring your calling individually, but then also your calling as that works out in our community? working together, bringing aid to one another. Who's doing this with you? When Manning went out to, to do the, the shrimp boat, it wasn't alone. It was him and a bunch of the brothers from the monastery. One, because it's easier to work, you know, carry that kind of stuff with a team, but also there's, we're better when we're together. What's the if you do any kind of backpacking or any kind of backcountry stuff, they always say if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So if we want to take this calling, if we want to take that, that, that notion that God has created us in His image to imitate Him, and we want to take that deep and far out into the world, to be that light to the world that Christ has called us to be. Who's with you in that? How are we seeking as a community, as communitas, this, those of us here, how are we seeking to do that together, to encourage one another, to leave here and be able to go out into our workplaces, into our daily lives, and the workplace, not just meaning the place where you go to get a paycheck, right? I mean, if you're a stay-at-home mom, yeah, that's, that's work. If you're out and you're trying to find a job, that's work. If you're retired and you're trying to discern what that looks like, that's work. If you're a kid and you're growing up and you're trying to understand the ways of the world, like that's work. 
How are we going to do that together? And how are you participating in Christ's calling happening around you? So as I said, this isn't, today isn't meant to be a time where we're going to really flesh out all the nuts and bolts, but I want to open up that dialogue and begin that conversation. And we're going to continue next week with rest and with prayer and with community. And in the following months and throughout the rest of this year, I want us to, to be thinking about the ways that we can come together and work with one another. Not just for ourselves, but for our community and for what God is doing here in it through us. So join me in prayer. God, thank You for the opportunity to work and whatever that looks like. Lord, forgive us for our, our jacked up notion of, of what work looks like. And as we go out in our daily lives, Lord, may we worship You in spirit and in truth. May we bring You glory. May we sanctify those in our daily lives. And Holy Spirit, work through us and in us. Help us to understand these truths. Help us to go deeper into who You are, what You've called us to be, and what this notion of work and, and worship is all about. We thank You, Lord, that when You look at us, You do not see our work, but You see Christ's finished work. And we know that we no longer need to justify ourselves that You have done that for us. And thank You, Lord, for Your grace. Amen.